Welcome to Pod Planet, a place where things happen that may sound unbelievable, strange, incredible. If you've ever wondered if you were weird or strange or the odd man out, these stories will restore your belief that there are indeed people out there who are weirder, stranger, and odder than you ever imagined. Perhaps you'll find some comfort in that. Bear in mind, Every story from Pod Planet is between 83 and 100% true. These are stories we have experienced, survived, and lived to tell about. Let us begin. And now, Pod Planet presents 911. Early in my so called career, I was working in Midtown Manhattan in the company of 400 or so people. But in my world at that time, the most important co-workers were two women, Eileen and Diane. Eileen, she was our receptionist, a good-looking 48-year-old woman from Long Island. Blonde hair, smiley eyes, friendly, and a great personality. Maybe that's because every morning on her way into work from far Rockaway, Eileen would smoke half a dube in the precarious crawl space between the moving subway cars. Eileen was the eyes and ears of the company. She was one cool chick. We talked every day and laughed a lot. We were office chums. And just down the hall was young Diane. Diane was one of many assistants. She was 21 years old. She was complex and she often read American Funeral Director magazine at her desk. Diane had a degree in film studies or semiotics from an Ivy League school and lived at her parents' place on East 71st Street in Manhattan. One Friday morning, sitting with her bony elbows on her desk and clutching a handful of tickets, Diane asked if I wanted to come see her short indie film debut in the East Village that night. And so it goes, Diane, the assistant, had made a short indie film. And who could resist seeing a short indie film from a girl who spent her time perusing funeral director's top picks for children's coffins? I said, sure, I'd love to see your film. It sounds great. Eight o'clock sharp, replied Diane, as I snatched a ticket out of her hands. Unfortunately, my other pal, Eileen, the receptionist, had a prior commitment. But me, I wouldn't miss this for the world. So, I arrived a few minutes early and settled in for Diane's movie. Gradually, the lights grew dim, the curtains opened, and the screen lit up. The title frame told us the short indie film was called 911. Here then is the compressed plot. In 911, Diane plays what we can only assume is herself. For the next few minutes, Diane silently approaches young men on the nighttime streets of Lower Manhattan and gesticulates in a strange fashion, as though she were having fits. The men, one by one, refuse her advances, shake their heads no, and briskly walk away. Next, we abruptly cut to a close-up of a rotary dial telephone in what turns out to be 
a pivotal scene. Her hand comes into frame and dials 911. In the following shot, Diane slowly, dramatically opens the door of her apartment and greets a policeman dressed in the NYPD's classic blue uniform. Diane then slowly lowers herself out of frame. We then see the face of the cop wearing his sunglasses at night. He rolls his head back and forth in slow motion as if to communicate his complete and utter satisfaction. Up come the film credits, then the house lights. Mild applause follows. Total running time, four minutes. The audience, all eight of us, filed onto the street as Diane received congratulations. And it made me think, why, after graduating from film or art school, do some people continue to make short indie films? Back at work, the next Monday around 11, I walked past Eileen at reception. Eileen signaled me to come closer. She was about to break an amazing office story. In a hushed voice, Eileen told me she'd gone into the washroom earlier and found a girl, a secretary, passed out with a belt strapped around her arm. Diane, of 911 fame, was there too, crying, breathless, and panicked. The girl on the ground had overdosed. The girl and Diane, they were celebrating another Monday at work by mainlining some smack, some H, some junk, they were riding the white horse. So this time, it was Eileen who dialed 911. But instead of a New York City cop, some paramedics arrived, and the girls were both carted off to the emergency room down the street. I asked Eileen if anyone else had seen this debacle. Eileen said a friendly bike messenger helped pull things together in the washroom. He grabbed the hardware and the contraband, which I'm sure he put to good use. A small handful of co-workers had seen the ambulance attendants and the stretchers, but in a company of over 400 employees, they thought nothing of it. You see, around here, people were always having little medical emergencies that required outside help. This was Midtown Manhattan, after all. Well, then I asked Eileen if she called the police. We were looking at Class 1 drugs, which, last I heard, was a felony. Eileen put her phone down and said, I think that Diane has enough problems. You know, the funeral magazines she reads and those strange movies she makes. She needs a long spell away. Looking down on the floor, just in front of the reception desk, I saw a half-smoked joint. I picked it up and said to Eileen, Is this yours? No, she replied. I do that on the way into work not at work. Oh. As it turns out, I was working at a place where smoking grass is the thing that you do on the way to work. And heroin, that's what you do when you're at work. I was still pretty new to this working for a living thing. But I never suspected I had so much more to learn.
You've been listening to Pod Planet Season 1. Pod Planet is written and produced by Peter McHugh and Clive Desmond. Audio and digital support for Pod Planet comes from Oliver Wickham and Aidan Vickery, two of the best and brightest young minds in audio today. Theme music for Pod Planet Season 1 was composed and produced by Richard Suddy, aka Telegraphy, from Detroit. Look for Telegraphy's FMA link in the credits section of our webpage. Richard Suddy is an amazing artist, and you'll want to hear more Telegraphy. Every Pod Planet episode contains some fantastic original music, much of which is courtesy FMA. If you'd like to hear or know more about the composers from this or any episode of Pod Planet, look for their links in the episode credits section of our webpage. These musicians are amazing, and you'll want to take a listen to their work. And special thanks again to FMA.org. And if you haven't subscribed to Pod Planet yet, subscribe now. Go to our webpage, podplanet.org, podplanet's one word, and click on subscribe or hit follow on whatever podcatcher app you're using. You'll find Pod Planet on Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, iTunes, Lipson, YouTube, and many others. And follow Pod Planet on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Links on our webpage. Pod Planet is part of PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. So if you're a radio station that would like to add Pod Planet to your schedule, look us up at prx.org. PRX can set it all up. We love to hear from listeners, so please leave your thoughts or questions in the comment section on our webpage. And be sure to recommend Pod Planet to your friends. Send them our link, podplanet.org. Pod Planet would like to thank Lydia, Lola, and Tattoo Sound and Music in Toronto, as well as extra special thanks to Monique Kelly for her guidance, insight, and never-ending support. This is Pod Planet Season 1. We'll be back in two weeks with a new and startling episode. Until then, on behalf of Peter McHugh and the whole Pod Planet team, thanks for listening. I'm Clive Desmond.